Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 18. 18? Wow, that's a lot of episodes. Of A Song of Sports and Thrones. <laughs> uh, I'm here with my co-host, Duncan Agnew. Uh, Agnew. Oh, my apologies. Wow. Um, oh, wait, I, I'm starting to think it's actually Agnew. Is it Agnew? Yeah. Wait, I need to call my mom. <laughs> Phone a friend. <laughs> mom? Um, as always, I am Jack McKessie. We're actually missing our other co-host this afternoon. Um, Ryan Coleman is uh, seeing his sister graduate down in Texas. Yeah, so that's lame. Just kidding. Congrats, Ryan, sister. Congrats, Ryan, sister, <laughs> on all your hard work. You made it. But Ryan, you suck. <laughs> yeah, we can do this on our own. Yes. Um... So, we're going to be discussing, oh, uh, disclaimer, first of all, we're, we're going to be discussing uh, Season 8 spoilers. Um, we are now four episodes in, uh, two-thirds of the way through the final season. Um, so if you haven't watched, then plug your ears. Um, just, just don't don't Throw listen. your phone on the ground, break your phone, because you can't look at it at all. Or catch up first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um... Duncan, would you like to talk about what you were what you were thinking that night? Yeah, definitely. So, season eight, episode four. What was the official title again? Ooh, we'll pull the last up. of the Starks, I believe. Yes, the last of the Starks. That's right. So, season eight, episode four. I think generally the reaction was pretty negative in the Game of Thrones universe, the Thrones fandom universe. Did you know it is actually? I looked it up right after we. To finish watching. It is the lowest rated episode in Game of Thrones history is, on IMDb. Is it really? In history. That's insane. No episode of Game of Thrones has gotten below an 8 out of 10 on IMDb. This one, let me look it up one more time um, to make sure I get it right. It has an 8, does it have like a 7.9? It had a 7.1 the last time I checked. 6.5. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So. Wow. Quite, you're right in that it's quite a negative response so, to the community. That's a that's actually a shockingly negative response. I will say though, like I actually like now that I've sat down and analyzed the episode and looked at like the writing and kind of how whack like the fact that Danny like was on a dragon out for like miles and didn't see any ships, um, like things like that, plot points like that. Also, not to mention the coffee cup, but slide that in there. The coffee cup was. <laughs> I mean, like, it's just another thing on top of the multitude of problems that I feel like I now have with season eight. Yes. It's just like, you ha- we had two years of waiting. Yeah. Assuming that they were going to do all that they could to make this the best season that they possibly could. And then they do something stupid, like have a coffee cup on yeah, screen. Yeah, well, also, how many people must have edited or looked at that scene or that shot and somehow just not seen a coffee cup at all? Exactly. It, like I, there, I don't there understand multiple people who individually realized that it was there yeah. after watching like it wasn't like one person and it spread I mean like that was kind of the case but like other people than that one person noticed yeah that's just nuts so that's kind of unprofessional and by kind of I mean like massively unprofessional especially for Game of Thrones um, but I, I will admit though like while I was actually watching the episode I was, like, kind of into it. I, like, I didn't have that many criticisms, like, during the episode, because I was, like, pretty shocked that a dragon went down. 
I was pretty shocked that they beheaded Misande. Um, like, I kind of liked those, like, shock factors because it felt like something was happening finally. Or, like, people were dying who we, like, cared about. Right. Um, and, or people or dragons were dying who we cared about. Um, but, like, so that felt like it was good. Like, there was something happening. Um, and I, it felt, when I saw a Tyrion, um, like, walk up to the walls of King's Landing and confront Cersei, um, like, that was kind of clever of him in terms of, like, recalling, like, her baby and how, like, her children are the only people she's ever loved. Um, so there were aspects of it that I enjoyed, but pretty soon after watching it and looking back on things, it started to add up, like, how a lot of things just didn't make much sense. Yeah. I think those are good points. I was very entertained by those when they were happening, and, like, my heart was beating really fast throughout that basically whole last scene from when uh, Rhaegal got shot down to, like, the end of the episode. Um, but that was, like, 15 to 20 minutes of of 70 or so. Of, like, a nearly 80-minute episode. It was, like, an hour and 18 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that that was a pretty decent part of it, but, like, most of the episode, I was like, what am I watching right now? Like, I was very disappointed by... Um, the complete lack of extra explanation of the Night King, which yeah. we discussed last time, like, they have to do something with that. Like, yeah. there's no way they could just end it like that. Um, Cole was saying, I want to make sure I get this quote right, um, that doing something like that is, like, if, in the Harry Potter books, Harry Potter spoilers, disclaimer for the next few seconds, if Hermione killed Voldemort in book six of Harry Potter, and then book seven's resolution was just Harry Potter beating Slytherin in the, in the Quidditch World Cup. Like, there was so much build-up to the Night King, and then he died, and then I assumed we were going to at least get, like, at the very least, Bran was going to be doing something other than warging into Ravens. Yeah. Or expla- explanation of how Arya snuck up behind the Night King and all the Whites and all the White Walkers. Yeah. I still I still have my fingers crossed that there will be, like, more of an explanation or something. Like, I just... I want to believe that this past episode was just David and Dan, like, kind of screwing it all up. And that the next couple of episodes are, like, actual, like, George R. R. Martin's actual vision for the end. I would hope so. I would really, really hope so. Um, and that's, like, going to the, the season eight, episode five preview, um, when Euron kind of, like, looks to the sky and looks all shocked, um, that's one of, like, my, that's one of the only theories that I'm actually excited about for the next episode is that like Bran works into a dragon or some like somehow there's like dragon babies that are coming or something like that. Right. Because Euron in that preview had a look of shock on his face that like w- you wouldn't see if it was just Drogon because like he knows Drogon's coming. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I no, I agree with that. When I saw the trailer, I was like very intrigued. I saw actually Time Magazine put out an article about like the potential of Tyrion's um Targaryen heritage becoming like a part of the show as it has been like largely insinuated in the books because yeah. um, there's a scene of him in the trailer like um, walking through in Dragonstone and like confronting this big stone dragon and then it flashes to Euron's look of shock in the at the end um, so I don't know if there's if there's like another dragon or something with that that would be that would be crazy like that would be a really cool moment um, but I don't know like I just feel like so much this season has been playing it so safe like, there have been so many theories that we've had that we've been, like, genuinely excited about yeah. that just haven't panned out whatsoever. Yeah. For example, Bran is the Night King going into the beginning of the season and then that not happening. 
Um, Jamie killing Cersei might still happen, um, but then as we moved into later in the season and we got to right before the Battle of Winterfell, um, the Night King is a dumb theory, which kind of discussed the Night King not going to Winterfell and that storyline yeah. being continued a little bit longer. But, like, none of that has happened, and I just feel like everything is just... The stakes are so low. So many characters have such thick plot armor yeah. that it's like there are no stakes. Yeah. And that's, like, another thing that that I had a problem with in this episode was um, Tormund's departure from the show, apparently. Like, if he was just going to leave the show in the very next episode, why didn't they give him an honorable, noble death in the Battle of Winterfell? Yeah, I totally agree. Especially with, like... I, it felt like they were just using the opportunity to cut out a bunch of characters, essentially, and or, like, write them out. And it was felt very lazy on the part of the writers and on the part of, like, the producers, so I was really disappointed by that. Um, and it's also, like you were saying, very disappointing that a lot of the theories that we're so excited, that we were so excited about, have, like, either not come true, but also, at the same time, like, we never expected those to be entirely true, but what's most frustrating is that, like, Game of Thrones used to be a show where something crazy would happen and it would seem, like, so insanely complex... Or, or like, like Hodor's death, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be, like, this kind of awe moment where you were like, wow, like, how did anyone ever come up with that? And then everything in this season, even in season seven, for the most part, has been pretty predictable. Yeah. Um, or, like, if not predictable, then just, like, standard, like... And that's kind of what I was... My reaction during last episode, like you said, like, there was another... 50 or 60 minutes of episode going on and like right as we started to creep up on the dragon death I was sitting there going like wow are we just like is this it it just doesn't feel like Game of Thrones yeah it just feels like a general show that's like it's it's just so predictable yeah it's really it's sad disappointing and mostly for me frustrating yeah I just another part of that that we kind of saw in the last episode was I feel like in some ways the show is also kind of getting campy in a way like the jokes with Tormund and Brienne for example or like all the random love and sex scenes like Brienne and Jamie was weird and then like we feel like Jamie started to come full circle and like becoming this heroic character that's like noble deep down and then literally the next day he just gets up and is like nope psych like all my character development from season two onward is out the window. Yeah, I mean, that's one other thing I will add, though, is that, like, everyone, and and to be fair, the creators, David and Dan, did insinuate this in the, like, inside the episode portion, but everyone's kind of assuming that Jamie is, like, going back to Cersei as in, like, you know, like, going back to her to, like, be with her and, like, fight for her, but I feel like there's still potential that he's, like, going back to her to, like, kill her. Or, or, like, kill that part of himself once and for all. That's a fair point. I mean, that's something that I, I thought in the moment was, like, uncertainty as to what he was going back to Cersei for. Like, he was like, it's always been back to Cersei. And, like, it kind of seemed insinuated that that was, like, a loving thing. Like, he was going to join her again. Yeah. Um, but I could definitely see, like, maybe he's just going to really completely go full circle and, and kill someone who has had such a bad influence on him for forever. I also wonder, because the the thing that drove him to leave Winterfell and ride back for King's Landing was the news that he found out that um, 
the dragon that uh, Rhaegal had died and that uh, Misanda had been captured and the fleet destroyed. Um, and like that's what convinced him to leave. So it's it kind of could go both ways because it, it could be like, oh, like they need my help to go like slay Cersei or it could be like, oh, Cersei can actually win this. I'm going to go back to her side. Right. So, yeah. I mean, like, I don't... I really don't like, as you said, how they did that whole episode with, like, him and Brienne, and, like, it seemed really random because he was almost, like, completed his character arc um, and just kind of, like, reverts right back. Yeah. Um, so I don't like how they executed it, but I, I do I do kind of appreciate that he's one of the only characters that's kind of, like, up in the air. Like, you're not really sure what they're doing. Yeah, that's a fair point. But then I feel like there were other scenes, like... The Gendry and Arya scene, which is just completely unnecessary, or like didn't really. Yeah, that was that was really dumb. I mean, it was like, it was like kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it was like. Yeah, it just it like for me it all goes back to this is the last season. Like I want more than anything for this show to stick the landing. Yeah. And like to have random throne and seat scenes like Arya and Gendry having sex. And then, the next episode, Gendry not dying. And then the episode after that, Gendry proposing to Arya, literally after, like, a night. Yeah. Also, like, we all knew what Arya was going to say. Right. Yeah, like, she, we already know that about Arya. Also, it would have been even more infuriating if she had said yes, because then it would be like, what? That, okay, that, <laughs> that would have just, I don't know if I could have watched any more of the show if she, if she just said yes and went off to Storm's End. Oh my gosh. Um, another frustrating part so far is kind of like the rubbing it in our face of just the character flaws at the moment like Daenerys's kind of obsession with the throne getting power that we, like we've known about because of like how she's acted throughout the show but now in this season it just seems so like forced like it's like if you didn't realize before she's gonna do whatever it takes to get to the throne she's gonna tell everyone she's gonna be telling the audience essentially yeah um Jon Snow's uh decisions to well just kind of like a build up of all the Stark's flaws like all the male Stark's flaws with just being honorable and doing the right thing when he tells Arya and Sansa that he's a Targaryen like we know that he's honorable and we know that he's gonna do something like that but to make it so blatant and like at this point just stupid like he still won't learn from that flaw it's just it's so upsetting yeah and then you know Sansa telling Tyrion almost immediately after Jon tells her is just I don't know yeah I mean and I guess it like part of it could be that they're trying to emphasize that like even though he's a Targaryen he still was like raised by Ned Stark and he has those values but at the same time like now that he knows that he's a Targaryen like shouldn't he like it's not intrinsic to him that he's just like too honorable for his own good yeah that's a very Ned Stark thing but I don't know uh, it was all frustrating. I mean, I will say, though, one of the interesting things, it is annoying how it's, like, so sped up with this information being shared between, like, John, Arya, and Sansa, and Sansa tells it to Tyrion, and Tyrion tells it to Varys, where, like, that information flow would have taken, like, five episodes in, like, season two. Yeah. And now it took, like, five minutes, yeah. um, which is frustrating. But I will say... The Varys Tyrion like moral conflict of like who to support is interesting. However, I just I'm not really here for the whole like Danny versus John 
yeah. battle that we're like, I know we're gonna get, and like I just know that one of them is gonna kill the other one, and I hate that. Yeah. Like it's of all the theories that were out there and everything that I was excited for, like I'm just gonna be so mad, like whenever that happens. Yeah. Especially if it doesn't lead to anything. I mean, I'm, I was, I'm honestly very interested. I think at this point, so many things are predictable that I'm interested in. in finding out things that aren't as predictable for instance what Varys is going to do um because he's kind of like suggested at this at the, towards the end of this episode like he's very much not with Danny anymore because he believes that she's not what's best for the realm which is really interesting because it shows like a complete switch from how he was um towards the end of season four beginning of season five um when he takes Tyrion to Essos to meet with Danny and like be on her side right um so like that that storyline I feel like is one of the more interesting ones at this point. I feel like the next episode we know is going to be this big battle. Um and that we'll see how that goes. Um but yeah. Also, what was up with the fact that there was like a desert outside of the King's Landing walls? Yeah, what the hell was that? That, that would make no sense. <laughs> where where did that come from? Like and okay. also yeah, listen. If you're gonna say Cersei will do whatever it takes, she had literally ballistas like trained at the fifty unsullied that were with Daenerys. Drogon was just kind of vulnerable, sitting in the back that they could have hit him with. She had like a zillion archers pointing their arrows at Tyrion at one time. If she really wanted to do whatever it took to win, she would have killed them all oh, right then and yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. And that would have been done. Like that would have been it. Like. That would have been a holy shit moment. If she killed all of them, and then it was just Jon versus Cersei, that would have been crazy. I actually would have really liked that. That would have been so cool. That would have been so good. It would have, it would have been completely unexpected. Um, like, it would have gotten rid of the annoying Danny plotline <laughs> that has been bothering many people. It would have killed so many important characters. It would have killed, like, Grey Worm, Tyrion, Danny. Was Varys there? I don't think Varys was there. Well, it would have killed Drogon. So all the dragons, we assume, would have been dead. Oh my gosh. That would have been nuts. Yeah. I wish that happened. Oh. I kind of want Cersei to win now. I'm not going to lie. Oh, Cersei's I'm a bad so, bitch. I'm so annoyed. Cersei's a bad bitch. She, she knows what she wants, and like, seeing her actually kill Masande after Tyrion tried to confront her, it was like, yep. Yeah, she wants that. Like, like imagine <laughs> Cersei on the throne, Kyburn on her right. Harry Strickland at her left. On her no, left. not Harry Strickland. <laughs> Harry Strickland has been such a letdown for me. I thought he was going to be, like, a really badass character. He's been in one scene and said one line. Oh the whole gosh. the whole season. And, but he looked badass. And he had, like, golden... And he had a cool accent. He had, like, golden lion hair and he a cool lo- accent. He looked like Jamie from season one. Yeah, he did. He really did. So... Ah! You know what? Bud to Cersei and Harry Strickland hooking up. <laughs> Okay, another part that I was, that I thought was weird was when Tyrion told Cersei about, or when Tyrion was trying to convince Cersei um, by talking about her child and her pregnancy, I thought they were going to flash to Euron and be like, because like, at that point, Euron has to know that it's not his kid. If yeah. Tyrion knows, and he got there, and Tyrion left before Euron started having sex got with there, yeah. Cersei, like, I don't know, that, that was like a weird part. The part that I just remembered that was so, so much buildup for just a <laughs> terrible scene. Bronn. 
<laughs> what was that? That was such a bad scene. I saw, I think, I think I shared it with you, but there was just a meme of, like, the Homer Simpson yes, exactly. comic coming out of the hedge and being like, wait, give me a good castle, and then going back into the bush. Exactly. That was exactly how that scene played out. It, no, especially, it just, like, I, I feel like it was clear that they had to write around him being in a scene with Cersei. Right. And, like, that's why they sent him north. Uh, and, and that's also why they had him say, like, oh, I'm not a fighter anymore. And, like, he won't ride south with them that to, like, sense. fight for them. And he was just, like, just, like, shot some arrows into some wood and was, like, give me high garden and then rode away. But it's just, like, I understood why they sent him north if that was the reason. But, like, I expected so much more of, like, a, a struggle within Braun as a character rather than just, like, immediately being, like, yep, like... I'm a sellsword, I get paid. Like, I was expecting more of that. I mean, I did appreciate the callback to, uh, uh, if any man, or, if anyone offers you money to kill me, I'll pay you twice. Like, that was, that was a good callback, um, yeah. to season one or two. Um. Yeah. But overall, I was like, and then it was also right after the Brienne and Jamie scene, too. Yeah. Very jarring. It was very weird. And all, I mean, I will say, though, it's, like, Bronn's been asking for a castle for, like, six seasons at this point. So, it would make sense that he's, like, pissed off and done with, like, fighting for people who, like, aren't giving him what he actually, like, demands. Or aren't paying him back. Especially when there was that whole scene where, like, he gets his big bag of gold from Jamie in, at, in like, the loot train episode in season seven. And then, it, like, they very, like, artistically showed it, like, strewn about as the dragon came and, like lit him all up right so it would make sense that he's pissed but at the same time like i didn't it was just dumb yeah yeah also like i wanted to see braun in battle again because yeah. he's like a badass Bron's sick yeah also like even going back to um blackwater how he shoots that arrow to light the wildfire yes, that was so that was one sick. of the coolest moments of the show yeah i just like if they're gonna have if they were gonna show braun fighting again i like, I guess it couldn't have been against Cersei, so, like, I guess a part of me was hoping he would just show up at the end of the Battle of Winterfell and yeah. just start doing shit with the crossbow. Yeah, exactly. But, oh my gosh. I don't know. It's, like, it's just another thing on the laundry list of disappointments Yeah. Um, from this season so far. I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from the last two seasons especially is that, like, when David and Dan don't have book material to work with they just aren't very good yeah. like it, it's very clear that george r, r. martin is the gene is like the genius here mm -hmm. also like when you think about it this is kind of uncharted territory for tv like for like television and film in general because never has a series like started based off of books and then had to like finish it without the books having like been concluded like never has a series had to like finish itself off having been based on all this literary material without and then like all of a sudden transitioning into original content in the middle of it so i think the one exception to that is the walking dead oh okay. but even that has been a real disappointment since they left the, yeah. the source material so. yeah so that makes sense. 
But I mean, I so I understand that it is like this is an incredible challenge and it's uncharted territory for like screenwriters essentially, which is what David and Dan are. Um, and clearly, like they were very good at adapting, like adaptive screenwriting to mm. to the books. But it's very clear that they're not as creative or like world builders as George R. R. Martin, which like no one really is. Yeah. Like, I also think wasn't George writing a, a lot of the episodes earlier, earlier on? Earlier I think he series? wrote. I think he wrote a lot of season one. Yeah. But then after that, he wrote like one episode per season. Okay. Um, like I, but they were all like big ones. Like I think he wrote, he might have written, uh, the Reigns of Casimir, mm. um, and he might have written like the Watchers on the Wall. Yeah. But he hasn't written an episode in like three seasons. So, um, one thing that it all goes back to is the fact that uh, David Benioff was the screenwriter for X Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> if you know anything about that movie, <laughs> it's awful. Yes. <laughs> Oh man! So I forgot about that man. Um, I've seen some some discussion on Twitter about that, and people like, we should have expected this. Yeah, seriously. Especially also that they like, who was it that they? I think I saw a tweet about how like this is what we should have expected from the guys who came up with the idea for a new show about if the Confederacy won the Civil War. <laughs> yeah. So if you didn't know that, they're working on that right now, apparently. That would be... I mean, to be fair, those kinds of shows have been successful with, like, The Man in the High Castle. Right. But it's also, like, you know, two white guys being like, what if the Confederacy won? <laughs> yeah. And Yo, also, Jack, what if the Confederacy and won? And also, like, we can clearly see that they're not good at world building, so it would just be a very interesting concept. Like, yeah. The Man in the High Castle did a very good job of, like, establishing a whole new existence and, like, alternate timeline of, like, if the Axis powers had won the... the Second World War. Um, so, I don't know. I just... I, I texted you this, like, right after the episode ended. If anything, this just gets me more excited to read the books yeah. once George is done with them. Because I feel like he's just gonna absolutely kill the landing, like, in a good way, and just have it be way better than whatever this is. And I feel like a, another part of that is just... I, I remember kind of, like, laughing off people who during and after season seven talked about um how they missed a lot of the the travel time between places like everybody seemed to be teleporting everywhere i was like well there's a lot of action they have to get done but now i'm kind of realizing looking back so much of that travel stuff during those moments we had the best character development for a lot of the characters like jamie losing his hand and like getting closer with brienne is just one of the the bigger examples and like Arya with um the night's watch originally and then uh the brotherhood without banners yeah so it's just i don't know yeah i mean and it even going back to one scene that i always remember in terms of like how deep the political game used to be was Tyrion in like season two or season three interviewing like made a grand maester pricell um Littlefinger and Varys. Littlefinger and Varys. I know what you're and talking about. And then, like, about. it the switches scenes, so it's all the same conversation. It's the same conversation with, like, the tweak details about who he's going to marry Marcella to. Yeah, exactly. And then once Pycelle revealed himself as the mole... Um, that's how Tyrion that's, finds out. And then Tyrion had to follow through and be yeah. like... And th- that's what I'm saying, is, like, those were the moments that came from the books, I think, where it, that were like, wow, this is really smart and cunning and, like, clever. Yeah. And then you, you just don't really get those anymore. The crazy thing... 
that I just realized from that is like this is totally unrelated to the current show but like Marcella died because Grandmaster Picel was the role like if he didn't say that then Tyrion wouldn't have shipped her to Dorne and that whole plot line of her and the Sand Snakes wouldn't have happened wow interesting so see it runs deep that's why Grandmaster Picel got killed by Cersei <laughs> she hated him so much that runs so deep wow see that's what I missed the most and also like I don't really get people who are saying who are like arguing that season 8's this big drop off from this show entirely like I think it was kind of steady decline from the end of season 6 The Winds of Winter is one of the greatest episodes of television exactly The Winds of Winter is my favorite episode of Game of Thrones yeah um followed shortly by like Battle of the Bastards and like Hard Home and The Red Wedding but I mean, pretty immediately after the Winds of Winter, we just hit this, like, wall, it seemed. You remember, remember the fact that the episode after the Winds of Winter, Ed Sheeran was on the show? Yes, exactly. Ed Sheeran, bad luck. Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be in episode five. I heard, I read that. And Noah Syndergaard was in season seven. Yeah. It, it it's really just, just became become... a com- commercial show. Yeah. Yeah. A big billboard. It's a bummer. Yeah. But, I mean, there, there were episodes of season seven that I really enjoyed, um, like, I really liked the loot train attack. I liked the end of the next episode when um, uh, Olenna Tyrell reveals oh. to Jamie that yeah. she's the one who killed Joffrey. That, I feel like another thing, obviously, it's not David and Dan's fault, but, like, killing off characters that are just so awesome, like Lady Olenna Tyrell, yeah. it's just, like, so disappointing, because, like, seeing how they would have dealt with shit now would be crazy to watch. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I like, I liked parts of season seven, but generally I think season seven started down this path toward what we're now seeing in season eight and, like, the disappointment that people are showing and the fact that 8-4 got a 6.6 or 5 on IMDb. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Which is insane. The lowest by, like, a full star and a half. Yeah. That's insane. Um, yeah, so... I don't know, I guess, what do we really expect for the next episode, other than just, like, this big battle? Do we have any... I feel like it's gonna be... I feel like another really solid part that we're gonna be missing is Arya and the Hounds uh, traveling south. Yeah, exactly. And they're, like, talking about eating chickens, you know? We're not gonna gonna see them do that. They're just gonna kind of teleport there. I already know it, because they don't have time. Which is really sad. Um... I guess we'll maybe see Clegane Bowl this episode or That's next. the one thing that I'm excited for, but the more I think about it, the more I don't trust the show to do it right. So I'm, I feel like probably what's going to happen is that there's just going to be, like, the big battle, and then the Hound and the Mountain are just going to, like, be fighting within the big battle, which is fine. I guess that's Clegane Bowl in and of itself, but I was really looking forward to Clegane Bowl in, like, in like a trial by combat setting where it's like everyone's just watching them fight yeah and if it's in the middle of a big battle like you know someone can just save the other person at any time or like stab the mountain in the back or something like that so yeah i feel i saw a long twitter thread about why the clicking bull is not a good idea um and it made sense it was it was basically um the person who wrote it was saying uh clicking bull is basically entirely fan service like, it's not even a really great conclusion to the Hound storyline because um, we've kind of seen him already become a better person, and to just kind of have him go on this vengeance trip doesn't really make sense anymore. 
I don't remember all the details, but it was an interesting take. That he's like that he's like moved on basically. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, I'm gonna see if I can find it really quickly. No, that's that's an interesting thought though. I mean, I feel like there's been so much hype about Clue Game Ball though that it's like. I I personally want to see it, and also that like. I'm so frustrated with other aspects of the show, and I'm like not excited to see like John kill Danny or something mm-hmm. in the last episode of the se- of this series. That like. I think the Klee Gain poll would be, like, a welcome reprieve. Yeah. But, also, like, I don't really want to see uh, the Mountain and the Viper Part 2, and I don't really want to see the Hound's head get squashed. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, I found this. I found it, and I'm trying to find her central point. Um, she's talking about how, like, a lot of the... Um, the story of the of many characters um were just like the the fantasy tropes of like violence and toxic masculinity and the the cyclical aspect of it is something that they've that George R. R. Martin when he was writing the books tried very hard to break like we have um Daenerys always talking about wanting to break the wheel for instance um and it's kind of like how this idea of the hound going south to, to fight his brother is just prime toxic masculinity and, and fan service and really no other reason for that um, in terms of a, of a um, story or a character's story perspective um, so yeah I don't know the, the hound versus the mountain probably gonna happen I, I don't have a huge problem with it but I can see why it's like just fan service to some people yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, there's that. There's also, like, they obviously foreshadowed, like, Arya killing Cersei. Um, I honestly hope that doesn't happen either. Yeah, I don't really want I that. I feel like that's also just, like, shoving our face in the fact that Arya is cool. Like, yeah. We, we know. We, we got we, it now. We, we watched her do all that cool stuff in seasons five and six. Like, yeah. She already killed the Night King. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I really wanted the Night King battle to be like... I, I don't know if... Did you watch the video that I sent you about the... the there's a, a guy on YouTube. Um, I'm going to look it up so I uh, can give him credit. Um, rewrote the entire battle. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, and the way he did it was just so much better. Like, one of the main points he made was spreading out the main character deaths um, rather than having them all kind of come towards the end with the exception of like Ed and I think Liana Mormont um, like if you spread them out um, and rather than having them kind of just happen for no reason having like a real character struggle aspect of it for instance like one part that I do like the about the Battle of Winterfell that I think they did right was um, showing the urgency of John to do his duty over um, doing something for like his love for another person, for instance, uh, or specifically when when he sees Sam kind of struggling with all the whites yeah. and kind of looks at him and then runs to to try to protect Bran. Like they did that well. I feel like they could have dragged it out a little bit longer to make it like more impactful. Um, but like another example that this this guy Hello Future Me is his name on YouTube. Um, gave was uh Brienne when she saves Jamie 
um, if instead of just going to save Jamie on the wall, like, if she turns and looks and sees Theana Mormont getting grabbed by the giant, or, like, facing the giant by herself, yeah. and she's, like, struggling between, do I save this child um, by helping her fight this giant, or do I save the man that I'm in love with? Like, that would have been so much more impactful, and, like, given us, like, a sense of, like, wow, these characters are actually really struggling, like, this is a really intense moment, and, like, it would have made people less... I, like, I feel like a lot of the criticism about Liana Mormont was that people just liked her and that's why she was in the show. But, like, it would have added another aspect to her character. Another example was, rather than Jorah dying in the end defending Danny, having him die in the beginning on the initial Dothraki charge, because then, like, right from the get-go, where our expectations of, like, all these characters having plot armor are destroyed, like, we kind of figured Jorah was going to die anyway, so to have him do it at the beginning and be like, oh, wow, okay, I don't know what's going to happen to the rest of the characters if they just killed someone right off the bat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I do recommend checking that out uh, if you have not. Um, it's very well done, um, and I really enjoyed it. It also features the brand Does Become the Night King, uh, as well as doing some other stuff while he's working, which I think is really cool. I still I still kind of hope the brand becomes the Night King. Because... Just like kind of a second Night King? Yeah, because, uh, like, there's that little moment in, I think, in episode four, when he's talking to Tyrion or something, and he goes, oh, like, you don't want to be me. And, like, I don't know, maybe that's just, like, Cripple being like, uh, you don't want to be a Cripple. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> which I really hope it isn't. But, like, I hope it's more like, oh, like, you don't want to be the Night King. <laughs> like, yeah. That'd, like, that'd be cool. I I really hope there's more. I just I hope David and Dan aren't this dumb. I really hope, because it like this whole season has has felt like they knew they had to end this series, and when they sat down to write the screenplays for all of these, they were like, ah, you can't disappoint the fans. Let's play it safe the entire yeah. time. Yeah, like I have no idea what I'm gonna do. They liked Liana Mormont. She should kill the. She should kill a zombie giant. Yeah, like. I don't know. That was, that was cool, though. I like I liked that moment, but, like, the whole principle right. behind it no, of, I, like, how they're making decisions. Yeah, I totally get that. So. It, yeah, it's it's quite frustrating. Um, so, now that we're thoroughly disgusted with the series <laughs> and not excited for episode five, should we talk about sports? Let's talk about sports. We haven't talked about sports basically since the show started back up with season eight. Yeah. Um, so a lot has happened since then, especially the NFL draft. Um, the NBA and NHL playoffs are in full swing, coming near to their conclusion. Um, Man, they're, they're a month out. All right, we're in the... Halfway through. Conference finals for the NHL. That's true. And, the NHL does finish earlier. Uh, NBA is, is getting there. Um, and then baseball. Oh, God, Baseball. I realize that baseball is a good sport, but the Nationals are a bad team. Yeah. So, but we did get the dub against the Dodgers last night. Wow, which is pretty cool. That's big time. Especially after losing four in a row to the Brewers. Yeah, we lost. We dropped three to the Brewers, and then two to the Reds, and then uh, we got swept by. No, we got we took two out of three from the Padres. Um, we being the Mets. Uh, yeah, so, NHL playoffs, um, we're in the B 
beginning of the conference finals, the Boston just took down uh, the Blue Jackets in um, the conference semifinal and already is on a one nothing lead over the Carolina Hurricanes, who took out my New York Islanders last round, um, very sadly. Also uh, took out my Capitals. They did the first round. They're on quite a tear for a for a wild card team. Um, who else? We in the West we have the San Jose Sharks and the St. Louis Blues. Um, Which the the Blues won that double overtime game game seven against uh, the Stars. The Stars. That was, was awesome. the The crazy thing about that game was I don't know if you were watching, but the shot disparity at the end of re- the uh, what is it regular regulation at the end of regulation. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the score was one to one, but the shots were I think like forty one to fifteen in favor of the Blues, and to have like that big of a shot disparity and have it be locked at one-to-one is crazy. And also a big testament to Ben Bishop. He's, like, just an amazing goalie. He absolutely killed it. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm very worried that the Bruins are going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't want... Even though the Celtics are now out in the NBA playoffs, I really don't want Boston sports fans to have something else to celebrate. Yeah. Because uh, no offense to any of our, our <laughs> listeners out in Boston, but... I know, I know there's a bunch of you. Y'all, y'all real obnoxious when it comes to these championships. Like, yeah, yeah, also going back, before the Celtics series loss, going back to, like, the last time the Celtics lost in the playoffs, I think, was the, was the last time a Boston sports team lost a playoff series. Because were the, were the Bruins even in the playoffs last year? Probably in the first round. I don't remember. I wasn't really paying attention because the Islanders weren't in it, honestly. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention either. But uh, I don't. I think the Celtics probably made it further than the Bruins. Then, so going back, like, well, the, the, the Patriots lost the Super Bowl. Oh, that's true. Well, before that, but it, like, starting this year, like starting with the oh, Red from, Sox from the end. Oh yeah, yeah. from like the okay. end of last summer, gotcha, going into gotcha, like gotcha. the start of this year. Yeah, Red Sox won all their series. Uh, Patriots won all their games. Bruins haven't lost yet. And then the Celtics just... Celtics just lost. Wow. Yeah, that is crazy. So, um, which is crazy. Especially because, like, all these Boston teams are winning, and then, like, all the players freaked out that the Celtics have lost. Have you seen all these, like, public apologies to the fans that they, like... No. It was, like, Jalen Brown publicly apologized, and, like, Al Horford. It, it's ridiculous. There's a lot of a lot of Kyrie Irving hate out in Boston as well. There now. is, yeah. Um, which I think is good for the Knicks <laughs> right now. Yeah. How do you feel about uh, um, Jeannie Buss getting the advice to trade LeBron? Did you see that? No. Yeah. People are saying talent. Like, the Lakers front office is, like, advising her to trade LeBron. I, I, I think it makes sense, honestly. Like, it was a big deal when it happened because everyone expected LeBron to put the team on his back as he had done in Cleveland and just uh, kind of carry the team to the playoffs or to the finals, let alone the playoffs. And then he didn't even make the playoffs this year in his first year with LA. And a lot of people were talking basically throughout the season that came up really um, in a big way uh, right before the trade deadline when there's a talk of Anthony Davis going to the Lakers, um, talking about how LeBron just kind of, runs the team in a way and basically does whatever he wants to get what he wants 
uh, trading away all the young players for a potential Anthony Davis trade. Um, so I can kind of see how his presence in the locker room would just kind of be uncomfortable for a lot of the younger guys. Like, they just they feel, like, always on edge because they're worried LeBron is not going to like playing with them, and that'll be the end of their time in, in L.A. Yeah. So I mean, I he's, such a, he's such a big presence, and it's the end of his career. Right. Like, he's kind of rounding out the last few years of his career. So the fact that it's the last few years of his career probably means he has, like, an even, like, lower, slimmer margin of error for, like, the other players on his team. Right. So he's probably, whatever team he ends up on, if it's not the Lakers, it's just going to be, like, kind of have to sacrifice themselves for, as, like, the LeBron team. Because he's going to run wherever he goes. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind that being the Knicks, honestly. I wouldn't mind being the Wizards. To see LeBron in a Knicks jersey would be quite something. Especially if we win the lottery and get Zion. That would be crazy. Actually, I mean, pro- the Knicks are probably the only team he would, like, willingly go to. Um, you think? Outside of, like, staying with the Lakers. Because I think he went to the Lakers knowing that, like, he basically lived in L.A. already. Right. And, like, in my, like with the, the idea in mind of, like, finishing out the last couple of years of his career there. So I think the only way... I don't know if his contract has, like, a no-trade clause or something, but I feel like the only way he would agree to a trade is if he went to somewhere like New York. Like a bi- another big market. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see what they, what they do, if they trade LeBron or not. And uh, this free agency will certainly be interesting. Um, because KD probably looks like he's gonna walk from the Warriors, Kyrie definitely from the Celtics. Yeah. And then whoever wins the lottery, quite literally wins the lottery in, in Zion. Yeah. Um, and the the amazing thing though is that like the Warriors, are probably still the best team in the league, without KD. Yeah. Well, and we've we've known that. Which we I mean we we have known that. They went like, they went seventy three and nine without KD. Without KD with Harrison Barnes, instead. <laughs> But then they blew a 3-1 lead in the finals, so... Well, I mean, the year before that, they won the championship. And the year after that, so... Yeah, but with KD the year after that. Yeah. So, just Asher, you know. Yeah. A- Asher, Asher. Asterisk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then... I don't really have too much to say about the NHL playoffs that I haven't already said. Um, I don't know if we even talked... Oh, no, we definitely... We talked about Tiger winning the Masters. That was a while ago. That was a long while ago. I think we did, yeah. Um, but Tiger won the Masters, if you haven't heard. If you haven't heard, Tiger won the Masters. Uh, what other... Oh, the Kentucky Derby uh, took place last weekend. Last Saturday. Last Saturday. Um, I personally do not have too much interest in, in horse racing. I'm not a gambling man. Um, <laughs> but if I were, I would have been probably pretty disappointed. Uh... Because of my lack of knowledge, I would have bet on the favorite, and I don't even remember the horse's name. Maximum Security. Maximum Security. Uh, and then got disqualified. Yeah, and I will say, like, it is pretty clear when you watch the... I don't know if you watched the actual race. Mm-hmm. Um, it is pretty clear that, like, Maximum Security was, like, slowing down down the home stretch and just, like, blocked probably two or three horses. Um, but... My problem is that they, the second-place horse wasn't even one of the horses that got blocked. Right. The second-place so, horse was the one that almost benefited more. That benefited the most from, from the blocking. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I 
don't really get what the rules are there. I feel like the horse that was in second place at the time of the blocking should have won somehow, or did I just should have just... I, I feel like... Let it be. I feel like there's not much you can do and just say, like, let it be, and then, like, release some report that's like, you shouldn't block the other horses. Or right, something. just make it, like, more clear or punishable or something. Yeah, like, there's just... I feel like, I mean... There's so many what There's ifs. some strategy in doing that. Yeah. Like, clearly, maximum security won by doing that. Yeah, I mean, and I think there are ways to do that less blatantly. Yeah, um, no, I agree. I mean, it's kind of like when you're... Well, the, didn't the jockey say that the that maximum security kind of got spooked and, like, on the last turn sort of slowing down? I think so. I think that was the claim. Yeah. yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't know. But uh, it's kind of like in uh, Squash, which is a great game. You all should try it out. <laughs> when <laughs> your opponent, like, boxes you out a little bit and then hits, like, a crappy drop shot, but you still can't get to it because it boxed you out. Don't don't look at me like I understand this reference. <laughs> I have no idea what you're saying. I'm sure all of our supporters and, and listeners out there know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Um, and the baseball world... Don't even get me started on baseball. The Mets and the Nats are both bad. Very bad. Um, the Dodgers Ooh. are good, but they just lost last night. The Cubs have been on a tear recently. Um, the Cubs have been on an absolute tear. They won like nine of ten, right? I think it's something like that, yeah. But uh, basically, what I'm hearing is that all we they're care eight, about they're eight and two on their last ten. It's a it's a fierce battle for third place in the NL East. Yeah, that's all I care about. I th- well, I don't know. It could it could still be a race for second place, and then NL East. The, the Mets that's, are only a half game behind the Braves right that's now. That's true. That's true. Um, but honestly, I don't think... I think... Many people have already said this um, in the sports media world, but the first team to fix their bullpen in the NL East probably wins that division, obviously excluding the Marlins. Yeah. But, like, that's the problem with the Mets. It's the problem with the Nationals. Um, the Braves have a problem with it. The Phillies, even though they're in first place by four games, like, have blown some games down the stretch because of their bullpen. Um, Craig Kimbrell is still unsigned. Dallas Keuchel is still unsigned. There are other smaller-named guys who are still unsigned that could really help out. Um, yeah, honestly, if, if I'm the Nats right now, like, you either sign, like, two new bullpen guys or you basically just give up the season. Yeah. Um, and like if I'm them we have a ton of injured players right now but none of them are out for like significant periods of time so as soon as we get them back we'll have like a whole fresh team and like all of our starters back and we'll have way more talent because we before all those guys went out because we have Zimmerman Juan Soto uh, Trey Turner I think is just starting to take batting practice again but he's been out for a while like there were there was a series I think that series in against Philadelphia um most of those games we had two or three of our original starting lineup from opening day starting wow. so we had Victor Robles we had Rendon not Rendon um he just came back from the DL uh or IL excuse me <laughs> Robles like uh, Jan Gomes or Jan Gomes just went to the IL I think oh really um so we only had Suzuki, Victor Robles, and Brian Dozier. Brian Dozier, 
Yeah. And Brian Dozier, like, already didn't play, like, half the games anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what to do with the Mets is either. Um, the starting pitching is off to a very rough start. Uh, DeGrom is obviously had to regress from last season because that's one of the best pitching seasons a pitcher has ever had. Um, Syndergaard has been bad. Uh, there was a point where Jason Vargas, our fifth starter in the rotation, had the lowest ERA of the entire rotation. Um, that's changed. Wow. Um, or no, not the least, but he had a lower ERA than both DeGrom and Syndergaard. And Steven Matz had the lowest ERA, despite oh, having given up 10 runs and recording no outs in one game. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. And uh, basically, DeGrom had a game where he like started to look like himself again. I think he went seven or eight innings and gave up one or no runs with 10 strikeouts. But then, like from then on, the Mets' offense has been completely asleep, um, which is another really frustrating thing. Uh Todd Frazier, for some reason, is still playing semi-consistently. Uh, he's batting under 200. Brandon Nimmo. Um, and despite the fact that Judd Lowry is being activated soon, um, the Mets have said that Todd Frazier is not at risk of being taken off the roster, roster for Lowry. Um, and another weird instance was uh, Dom Smith being sent down to the minor leagues. Uh, like our backup first baseman behind Alonzo off the bench has been hitting over 300 and they sent him to AAA after um I don't even remember who they brought up it might have been when Frazier came back huh there's yeah. just a lot of a lot of things that aren't making a whole lot of sense yeah but if I'm I think the number one thing though is like if I'm pretty much any team in the NL East especially the Braves I'm like picking up Craig Kimbrell right now like I would pay him I mean, and he's, he's been in Atlanta before. Yeah, exactly. I think one thing that uh, uh, I've seen a lot and what teams, honestly, in all likelihood are doing are waiting until after the draft is over um, because at that point they don't have to give up a compensatory draft pick oh, um, I see. for signing those players who were given uh, who were extended qualifying offers. Um, so I think right around June 1st, I believe, is the, the, the draft is winding down. And I think right around then is when we're going to see Kimbrell and Keiko probably signed. Sign. Plus, like, a bunch of other guys who were also extended qualifying offers and did not accept and are still free agents. So um, that is yet to be seen. Uh, I don't really have any, anything else to say about baseball or sports in general, if you have anything no, else. No, I'm good. I mean, what are your, uh, real quick, what's your World Series prediction? Ooh, World Series prediction at this moment right now? I think... The Brewers look really good. Brewers look really, really good. Like, they kind of stumbled a little bit a, a week or two ago, but they're back tied for first with the Cubs. Um, they're also 8-2 and two in their last 10. Um, I don't know, that, that whole NL Central looks really good so far. Uh, like, the Cardinals, even the Pirates are only four games behind, and they were a team that... I think we discussed before the season that it was probably going to be another four-team race with the Reds being in there, maybe. But the Reds don't look like they've got it, so... Yeah. If I had to pick right now two teams, I'd say either the Brewers or the Dodgers. Um, I'd say that's my NLCS, and the Brewers win that. Uh, and then the American League... 
The American League, the Twins are really killing it, but I just like can't get myself to. I don't believe think. That the twins I don't think the are. Twins would do that well in the playoffs. Yeah. I think the Rays honestly could do pretty well. Um, they had a quietly good season last year where yeah. they won ninety games and still didn't make the playoffs because there was so much power in the, and the Yankees and Red Sox. The Yankees and the Red Sox. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. Uh, if I had to pick a World Series team from the AL, probably be either I think the Rays and Astros look like uh, my ALCS teams. I'd probably pick the Astros out of those two just because of playoff experience. I think the Rays are still very young. Yeah, I I still like the Yankees. Um, I can't I can't. I I mean I can't root for the Yankees, but I can't <laughs> tell myself that the Yankees are gonna make the World Series. Um, in the NL, I definitely think it's. I feel like whoever from the NL Central makes it to the NLCS. I mean, I guess technically one team might not, but I, w- I would say probably either the Brewers or the Cubs will win the NLCS. Yeah. Um, but I like the Brewers, and Christian Yelich is just so good. Christian He's so really good. <laughs> He's, he has not slowed down from last year. Um, oh, I mean, we haven't talked about Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger, Cody Bellinger is, is a monster. It's like god tier this year. He's kind of he's putting up better numbers than he did his rookie season. Certainly better than he was last year. Um, but he's first in the National League in basically every category that you can find. Um, right now he's batting uh, three ninety six. Three ninety six with a four seventy eight on base percentage. Uh, 1262 OPS. That's insane. Uh, 38 RBIs, 14 home runs. Yeah, 34 runs scored. So, Cody Bellinger is is very much making his case for the NL MVP award early on. And, I mean, I can't imagine him keeping this up the whole season, but it's also been a full month now, so... Yeah, that's that's nuts to have a three ninety six average in yeah. in this day and age, a whole month into the season. He leads he leads the entire major leagues in OPS, OPS plus, on base percentage, batting average, RBIs, hits, and runs scored. Jeez, and I mean home runs in general are are really up this year, and in path in like the last couple of years they've been trending up. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think that I think the general like look of a baseball player is changing too with you look at like Christian Yelich you look at Cody Bellinger like even guys like Mike Trout and Bryce Harper I mean they're very much moving away from the model of like like David Ortiz kind of like, like big guys like big guys who just hit home runs like the the new guys are like it's they're like kind Pete of Alonso is in there too yeah I would say. Pete Alonso Christian Yelich Cody Bellinger they're kind of like the uh like the unicorns of baseball, like they're Christoph's Porzingis. They're like Christoph's Porzingis. They're like the KD, yeah. where, where they're like really fit, like fast guys, like really strong, but also like hit dingers too. Yeah. So they like to hit dingers. I like to hit a lot of dingers. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that'll about do it. Um, I'm looking at some this day in media history but it's showing me dates that are not today 
so. Well, that's unfortunate. It is quite unfortunate. Uh, let's see. This day in film and television history, there was not not a whole lot. Um, a couple of Connors Film Festivals, the 5th, 8th, and 9th, all took place today uh, in 1952, 1955, and 1956. Uh, Bruce Lee collapses in the Golden Harvest Studio um, in Hong Kong, and doctors diagnose him with cerebral edema. Wow. Um, WABC yeah. NYC in 1982 played its last record, which was John Lennon's Imagine. Um, and then, let's see, this day in sports history... Uh, Kentucky Derby's in the Preakness. That's about it. Well, fascinating. So, uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, I've been Jack McKessie. <laughs> I've been Jack McKessie. Thank you, folks, for listening. This is Duncan Agnew, and for Jack McKessie, signing off, Go Cats!